Hello, everyone. Before we get to our big double episode, uh, I wanted to let everybody know about a demonstration tomorrow, Saturday, 11-11, at 909 Center Road in Wilmington. Ceasefire now. No more American support for genocide. No more military blockade of Gaza. No more Israeli expansion and occupation in the West Bank. Um, the meetup uh, is across from the Servium Field. It's just north of Wegmans, just south of Route 52. Um, there's a spot on the west side of Center Road. Uh, you can't miss it. And there's no better way to commemorate the Great War armistice than meeting on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month to demand that the president apply the leverage that we have and stop this massacre. Event co-sponsors include the Working Families Party of Delaware, Delaware DSA, Mothers, Black Mothers in Power, if not now, and the Delawareans for Palestinian Human Rights. So 11 a.m. tomorrow. Uh, I'll be the old guy in the kufia and uh, waving a big Palestinian flag. Our show today uh, features an old friend of ours, uh, Representative Emeritus John Kowalko. Uh, the first part will be an update on the effort to stop the privatization of Delaware pensioners' health care, Medicare disadvantage. Um, the second part will be a wide-ranging chat uh, on the state of Delaware politics, and it will be for patrons only. Uh, so for as little as $2 a month, you could become a patron and get exclusive access to John and me uncensored. Won't that be fun? Uh, okay, uh, this is a passage from uh, a wonderful new essay in Harper's from the avant-garde writer and artist William Volman. Uh, Volman has written both fiction and nonfiction on topics ranging from homelessness and sex workers in San Francisco to climate change. Um, in this new essay called Four Men, Volman befriends three homeless individuals in Reno, Nevada, and reflects on the recent death of his own daughter, Lisa, uh, who was homeless and an addict in Sacramento, California. Uh, again, this is from a piece I highly recommend, uh, and we'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, Four Men, Keeping Company with Outdoor People by William Volman. I am an evil person. I tried this on to see if I believed it. If that was so, then what about the indoor man at the coffee shop who had long since run out of pity for the homeless? Maybe I was better because I paid for their stories and tried to raise other indoor people's so-called awareness. Or maybe I was worse because I knew that the system was against them, yet did not help them more than I did. I considered this matter some time, and then for at least five minutes, I stopped caring. When Lisa was in elementary school, the mother of one of her classmates proudly told me how she poured boiling water out of her window onto a passed-out homeless man because he made me so scared. She must be even more scared now because in Sacramento, we had rather suddenly begun to see whole rows of tents along the sidewalks. I myself most certainly would never become homeless by choice, for I had it pretty good as an indoor man. So I had better look out for number one, especially considering that at the end of 2002, my publisher had fired me, partly because I declined to abridge my latest long book, which would have slightly increased its minuscule chance of commercial success, and partly because upon being informed that it contained too many different fonts, and fonts cost money, I replied that with Lisa's death, I had less to lose, so I might as well keep standing up for myself, and that since I was already poorly remunerated, I just did not feel like saving my publisher a few cents on fonts. 
Now, the previous autobiographical snippet, like those of the other three men, may have emitted certain discreditable matters. Maybe my book was just not very good. After 700 pages, its protagonist remained unborn, and my editor found that tedious. On the phone, he got sharp about it. It definitely contained more typographical errors than usual because my concentration had fallen off. And just possibly, in company with Happily and Roland, I acted less than sane in my business negotiations. For grief is a witch hag who rides in on bad winds. In the Shadow Rock for Tower, behind enemy lines, in the belly of the Delaware Way Beast, this is Rob. This is your Highlands Mugger Podcast. Uh, as, as always, uh, Carl's here in the studio, uh, checking the levels and the lines and the squiggles. Uh, and uh, joining me is our old friend, uh, Representative Emeritus, John Kowalko. Hello, John. Uh, how you doing, Rob? I'm doing well. How, how, are, how are you doing? I, I think people probably want to find out how, if, you know, how, how you're feeling and how, how you're doing on day to day. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm coming along. Uh, you know, had some health issues and uh, you know, waiting for final determination on something. I, I I don't like to use the word final because it's not a, it's whether I had to continue uh, treatments or whether uh, the the good news is that everything's been stopped in its tracks. So, and in that regard, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling uh, energetic. Uh, probably did done doing more. More physical uh, exercise than I've done in years, actually. Uh, I've always been physically adept at uh, working my mouth, but I don't know if I've been doing the same with my body. But I, you know, I realize you know the frailties of getting older, but also uh, combined with the uh, with the not enormous amount of experience and knowledge you gain as you get older. Don't want to waste that, you know. It's wisdom. I say that all the time. I said, the more, the more, the older I get, and the more hair I lose, the more wise I become. Yep, and, and we do become wiser. I think, as long as we have an open mind. Yeah, yeah. You have to, um, you have to kind of buck the trends when it feels right. Yeah, and uh, you know that, that's that's the biggest thing. Like, you can't get stuck sort of telling the line uh, because then you know that's you know. No, I've, and I found that my political experience. Uh, it was a, a, a graphic lesson in uh, the, uh, I guess, the horrors of being forced to toe the line or being cajoled into towing the line. And, you know, uh, when you talk about a line, uh, if everything was that easily identifiable as one side is right, one side is wrong, uh, we, would, we would have a utopian society, but it's not like that at all. And it certainly is not uh, an advantage in a two-party system such as we have in this country and in Delaware uh, to uh, to say one side is right because they have a D or one side is right because they have an R, one side is wrong because they have an R. That's bullshit. And I mean, and I'm tired of of watching our political system uh, gauge its own performance, performance by saying, well, I voted with the D's, or I voted with the R's, or I, or I took this uh, this issue uh, because I was told to, and all that. If there's no independence of thought, no independence of of uh, of honesty within yourself, uh, 
you're not going to be a good representative of the people, no matter what office you hold. Yeah, I mean, to, to some extent, I, and I, as I get a little more wise and sort of watch this a little more closely, to, to some extent, all, most of the people, it's very rare that you get a, a, a public official that, um, that really is in there to, to, to be responsive to the community and do what they think is right. Um, like you said, the, the first thing that people do when they get elected to their, their freshman term is like, oh, what, what bill are they going to let you run? Are they going to give you one to run? Like, I, that, 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 just that little, uh, you know, just that little tradition or whatever you want to call it is just indicative of, like, you do what we let you do. You know, and if you do it, maybe in four years you can get on a committee, or you know, so so you you immediately get sucked into um, sort of like, and like you said, it's not it's not towing the line where there's a, there's right and wrong X and Y, but but you you know you know how to stay in your lane if you want to you know run for lieutenant governor in six years or something, and and it's 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 not helpful, you know, and and again, and I agree also agree with you that. You know, it's, it's not black. Things aren't black and white fair. However, I think when people go in and, and and say, well, my constituency is everybody. I'm going to try to do the most for everybody. I don't have a I don't have to make the banks happy or the lawyers happy or the cops happy. I really think, you know, we should think, you know, bigger than that. But a lot of people don't. Oh, oh exactly. And, uh, and I'll tell you a true story. When I first got elected, first of all, I was. Uh, I was uh, given an advantage. I was elected in the minority party at that year. Uh, the first year that I was elected, I was the only uh, legislator uh, to to beat an incumbent. I beat a Republican incumbent, Stephanie Ulbrich. Uh, <clears throat> but we were still in the minority. We were a couple seats short of uh, making the majority. So I experienced that part of it. And then the second second advantage I had was in my uh, next term, we took the majority, and uh, I had Bob Gilligan as a speaker. Bob Gilligan, for what some may see as perceived flaws, was one of the more, I would call it, respectful of the individual legislators than any speaker that I experienced. Uh, now, Terry Spence was very good minority. Uh, when I was in the minority party, I actually put a couple of my bills on the agenda, and uh, to uh, they had a closed-door meeting. They were going to oust the speaker unless they took them off. One was a, 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 a interstate compact for the Aberdeen uh, jobs that we would have Delawareans available to fill. Oh, it's a proving ground, the Army base. Yeah, yeah, right. And and I had proposed that we have a rail line that connects directly to there. So we rail can... line? Well, we should got we should got Jordan in here. That's <laughs> We never get that. We'll never get it. No, 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 no. Uh, unfortunately, but uh, but I remember John Viola was uh, uh, assigned to me as my uh, mentor, and he said, "You know, John, that's what he talked to. You know, John, what you want to do? You just want to sit quietly or wait till you know you get this term under your belt so you can get that recognition. You get." And and I t- I turned to John Viola and I said, "Oh, I said, quite frankly, John, I'm too freaking old right now that I have any years to waste to set some kind of foundation. I got to jump right in." 
so my first, actually, my first bills that I proposed, one was uh, to limit uh, lobbyists. Uh, you couldn't be a lobbyist for two years after you got into the state legislature. Another one was uh, uh, trans fats in schools, uh, uh, banning, banning them from, uh, from the school menus. You can still bring them in, but you ban them from the school menu. And they said, oh, why don't you do a little easy bill? I said, no, these were So it took me like three years to get my first bill passed. But I always was proud that uh, uh, proud of the fact that uh, I wasn't going to be swayed by some kind of a. Here's the way we do it, you know. I mean, you sit chilly and you and you you gain points as an obedient person. You know, I was, I had enough obedience when I when I was at St. Joe's Prep with the Jesuits, and I respected them, so I didn't mind being obedient to some extent because I was learning. But uh, you know, I didn't I didn't think I was going to learn anything in in uh, Lake Hall. You know, unfortunately, from from many of my peers or superiors, if you want to call them that, in rank. Yeah, see, and that's that's the problem. That's how they 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 feel superior in rank. Uh, they're really not. Everybody has the same constituency. You know, their 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 district. Um, but but again, when you when you when you can get yourself in a position to actually dictate terms to your colleagues, you know, it goes to your head. You get a little high on your own supply. And and you get a little and you know you get a little you know that they take you know you're you're, you're fancy your names everybody's talking to you everybody's coming to you for favors you know you you know you get a big head about it which you know I, I just I just appreciate I see it more and more now um, watching it more closely than I did I mean I remember I remember voting for you the first time you ran I lived on on Dillon too I lived in Windy Hills and uh, I I was going on a work trip I was going to be in Vegas at a conference and I went back in the day when to vote uh, uh, beforehand uh, absentee you had to go to the office right, and fill right. out the form yeah. and so yeah I went and filled out the form just to make sure I got my my pri- well, my, my vote in for that it. yeah I was very excited I I remember getting a you know this was like I don't know I don't know if I had internet on my phone I don't think I did so it was like I didn't know my my ex wife had to send me a text message ah Kowalko won I was like yeah it's great. So I, I, I remember, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that, I feel like that, that was the beginning of a little bit of a shift. Um, I still think the same stuff happens, um, but more people are sort of uh, bucking the trend, I guess you would say. Yeah, and I, and I think there are a lot of people actually uh, bucking the trend. I think a lot of people also, though, have been uh, silenced. Even though they they want to buck the trend, they they not silenced by their choice, but have been silenced by tactics uh, that that are are still ongoing. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, Pete Schwarzkopf, uh, and you can read many articles still on on the uh, Google sites and all that. Uh, Kowalko, Rebel John Kowalko, I recommend that one because I try to say exactly how I felt about what was going on there. And and one of the things that's going on there and made, kept going on there was the fact that the Pete Schwarzkopf, it was running after he took over for for uh, Gilligan, when Gilligan retired, it was running this affair uh, uh, like any, any I think, uh, a good Nazi would run something. I mean, he, he uh, threatened, intimidated, bribed, coerced, and and shamelessly, shamelessly used the death straw veto that he had, which was you don't have to put it on the agenda, 
uh, he did that with the inspector generals. He he actually inspector general bill. He voted it out of committee, and then he wouldn't put it on the on the floor for a vote, and it would have passed. But that's the way Pete Schwarzkopf worked, and I think that he was a not only a, not an asset, but he was a detriment to to the Democratic Party for once, and to the entire House of Representatives. Yeah, it was a detriment to the Democratic process. Uh, because he was, yeah, he, he took all the, he, he, he was able to, you know, and I tip my hat to him, you know, he was, he was able to grab all of that power and, and intimidate and bully people. Um, I hope that the work that's been done over the past 10 or 15 years shows people, you don't have to, you don't have to put up with that shit. Um, but it's, it, it is helpful. I, and to your point, I do think, I think the issue has become that a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot cause we don't have a lot of comrades down there, but the people who do come in thinking that they want to, you know, sort of be more independent, want to buck the trend of the status quo of the establishment of the, you know, the corporate elite and, and the carnies of the world. I think they, they, they don't, they come into it thinking that, but once they get in, that they, they don't know really how to operate within the system there. So they sort of, uh, you know, they just become, you know, uh, sort of irrelevant. They're, 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 they're rendered, they're rendered impotent because they don't know how to, sort of what tactics to use to get themselves in the position to be able to, to, to say something. And, and you're absolutely right. Uh, but, but I find that uh, sometimes it, it almost bothers me or, or makes me uh, try, try to figure out what's going on between in the minds of some of uh, what I would call my allies in there, that they overlook these things. I, I remember when Markel was still in office, and Schwarzkopf was interviewed as the, as the speaker. Was he, he was he the speaker? No, he was speaker. He wasn't the majority. He was speaker now. And in the paper, to the reporter, he said, my job as speaker of the House is to carry the water for the governor. I, 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 I just went into state of shock. I, I thought, how can you possibly say that? That's exactly what the whole government is set up is with the three branches of government, that you're supposed to be independent, not necessarily contrary to, but independent of whether it's it's the same party uh, in the executive suite or or not. And he and he said that. He, he thought, admitted. How can you? How can you be like this? And and you know, with all of the pro corporate me- mechanics and mannerisms of John Carney and. Uh, he certainly has taken it to the uh, up team's level on this thing. Yeah, I, he's, I he's a special out. case. I'm gonna we're gonna save him because he's 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 yeah, he's well, rearing his his his, but, his big blockhead again. But we'll we'll get to him. Well, what in I'm due trying course. to say is that Markel's eight years, he authorized through his. Uh, it wasn't the Prosperity Partnership at the time. It was called the Economic Development Office. They paid out two hundred and fifty million dollars of taxpayer money. To Charles Schwab, to to AstraZeneca, to uh, to uh, J.P. Morgan, name one, two hundred fifty million. Eighty percent of that went to the sixty-five, uh, uh, sixty-five percent of the richest corporations in the world. On the, this guise of job growth and potential. Don't hear. You they didn't feel like a, you didn't feel like a partner. Part. You didn't feel like a partner in that. You weren't a, you weren't a partner <laughs> yeah, in that prosperity. I, you, but I felt like a partner. <laughs> and this is a true story too. In an interview in the paper, Ed Breen was 
was said, will this, I think it was five million, five point something million. The, 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 the former CEO of DuPont. And, and he Ed said, uh, yeah, Ed Breen was the CEO of DuPont. And he was asked, will this keep the jobs there? Because there was 1,500 jobs leaving uh, 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 from DuPont, leaving the state of Delaware. And he said, uh, no, it won't. And he said, well, it will be potentially grow the jobs again. He said, well, that's not our plan. He said, well, why are you taking the uh, $5 million? And he said, because my shareholders would lynch me if I had turned down a free $5 million. I mean, that's in a nutshell. If you say to a corporation, we're going to give you $10 million. We're going to give, we gave four point something million to uh, Bezos on the, on the uh, warehouse that they built. If you're going to give me a check, I'm not going to turn it down. And are you going to be embarrassed to ask for it? No, I'm going to ask for it. That's corporations got this state by the freaking balls. Yeah, well, the new, the, new, uh, said, you know the, new, the new port, the new port place that just got fifty oh, million for, for the edge. Yeah, just yeah. just this was it oh, this week. Chris last Coons week goes on the air announcing, oh, we got fifteen million in federal money. That's going right into the toilet bowl that is called a corporation corporation toilet bowl. They flush it and it comes out the other end. Nice and laundered and clean for them to spend. This state has got to get off of this uh, attitude that in any way, shape, or form, it's going to grow bigger, more powerful, more influential in the world or in the country because it gives away a couple million dollars to corporations who don't earn it, don't deserve it, and don't need it. And you know what? This Carney has continued this practice and we'll get back to him again, like you said. And and I have for years fought against this kind of, uh, of waste of taxpayer money, not because only not only because we're going to uh, into this uh, I guess this vast wasteland of corporate greed, but because it is money that we need here to serve the people. Yeah. Well, speaking of serving the people and sort of like trying to transfer um, what should be public into private hands. Um, can you give us an update? You know, we've talked about it a few times in here. We talked to Karen Peterson um, about the rise and the, the pensioners' uh, health care and the, 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 pri- the, the attempt to privatize that, which what they call Medicare Advantage. We call it Medicare Disadvantage. Um, where, where does that stand now? What's, what's the status of that now? Well, well the status is... Uh... Fortunately, uh, there's a pause, and we are still giving out or still have the option of the medic fill, which is a supplement plan, uh, and, and being paid for by the state for its retirees, which is not just limited to state retirees. It's University of Delaware. It's uh, a teachers uh, union. All of these people are uh, can qualify for a portion of their of their Medicare uh, supplement uh, payment to be made. The, the, the original, uh, a year ago, the original uh, attempt was made, uh, a little more than a year ago now, to uh, to not have the medic fill available even anymore as an option, only have one uh, mandated plan that would be Medicare Advantage. Uh, I actually was one of the votes for that budget. It's always tucked into the budget. You don't, you don't read 1,000 pages of a budget, every word, and understand when it could disaffect you. But when it was brought to my attention by Lisa Diller uh, that, uh, hey, do you realize that 
they're they're forcing everybody to Medicare Advantage, and it didn't take much more than a cursory look at at what the Medicare Advantage program was going to to do to Medicare. First of all, it, it bypasses Medicare. It uses Medicare money, but it is actually separate from Medicare. You no longer are Medicare yet. It's a total privatization of Medicare, one of the most uh, formidably successful uh, programs that, that we have in healthcare. We should have Medicare for all. We should have healthcare for all. I mean, that's the ultimate solution. But in the meantime, the state of Delaware, John Carney, led a charge, put uh, Clarity Mattias in, in charge of it, I guess, because uh, she certainly was an abject failure when she was in the prison system. We're not, we're not big fans of people, hers. No, she's, we're not big she's fans been a hard, horrid, uh, uh, I, I guess you would call it uh, a purveyor of, of government uh, uh, accountability and, and needs to, uh, to the people that are under her. And it was just, I bring up the, the prison care because that was almost a, a tragedy of enormous proportions in the making. You know, she, uh, we talked yeah, about that a couple of weeks ago, actually, yeah. just the health care in prisons. <clears throat> uh, people should go back to about two weeks ago. We had Hassani Perkins in. We also had uh, a gentleman, I think it was uh, Dion Gibbs, I believe was his name. Hassani called him from the Sussex Correctional Institute in Georgetown right here on the phone, put the phone up to the mi- microphone. And, uh, yeah, we talked about health care in prisons. The, uh, the picture is very bleak. Uh, it's very sad. And there are people who are at fault. And we were just talking about one of them. And and quite frankly, during the pandemic, she refused to have any kind of mask rules or uh, in place. People died. Uh, they did. They yeah, did. People and died. I find them guilty. And uh, and uh, but back to the Medicare Advantage. A, 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 like I said, a cursory look at its history shows the flaws, and they've grown since then because it's become. If you watch TV, you see commercials because uh, it's the. Uh, Open period, October 15th to December 7th. And every commercial says, call us. We have a licensed insurance agent. And at the, when you look at the commercial in totality, you see that it's going to be urging you to go to Medicare Advantage plan. Medicare Advantage plan, again, there's just no, no way that you can interpret or that you can describe it honestly other than it is a private insurer takeover of of a of a government program to the detriment of the government program and to the people that are under it so when we got the uh, when i got the uh, call from lisa diller we sat down and wrote it in our bed in the paper because i quite frankly felt guilty i have this happened in other ventures that when you're down there where i realized that i made a wrong vote or haven't been uh, astute enough to look at it, uh, you know, uh, in depth and all that. So uh, I said, this is horrible. At the time, I was still an active member of the uh, legislature and uh, and didn't have a, a diagnosis of, of what I've had since. So it wasn't about me. It was about the people. And it would be about me and my spouse, uh, my wife. Uh, in years to come, you know, and and I said, "But well, this is this is terrible." So we wrote an article, and from that article, a lot of people contacted. So we started the organization Rise, which was to stop 
the uh, mandating of a Medicare Advantage plan. Uh, I wrote a couple bills. They got nowhere because it was near the end of my term. I was retiring in, in November. <clears throat> so when, we, uh, when we, f- we figured we had to fight this thing, uh, first it, it, the actual fight would have to be taken to the courts because where we were. So we had to raise money. And we, th- we did that with Thrive. We raised money, not nearly enough. And I'm talking about bills that are like a quarter, you know, uh, $250 million uh, outstanding, you know. And half of them may have been paid. But it was, so we still need contributions to rise uh, as an organization to make sure that we withstand any kind of future, which there will be, uh, you know, yeah, so court what, challenges. What, what was the has the has the the court challenge was whether or not this met the contractual obligation to the to the retirees, uh, and then there was another hearing subsequently too. So, what was the was the, was the court challenge? Did, you won the court challenge. Well, the the court challenge, yes, was for a stay, but even the judge understands, and a lot of people understands, that the only way you can solve a a, a fundamental problem say, with a structure such as what's offered to you as health care and what's paid for by the state, is legislatively, you know. And that's, that's one of the first things that I said when we formed RISE, that, yeah, we have to go to court, we have to stop this thing, get a stay, which is a stay still in place, so it's not a final determination. But uh, we have to stop this and nip it in the bud uh, at this moment so that we can continue the benefits that we have, which are medic that was called Medic Fill, and uh, it's a it's a Medicare supplement, which uh, is without any kind of uh, uh, obligation on the uh, on the person outside of the ordinary. In other words, you get the Medicare covers your your things, and the Medicare supplement plan covers uh, whatever is not uh, specifically paid for in the Medicare uh, proportion, like eighty percent proportion. Uh, and, and then uh, when we did some investigative work, uh, not only did we find that Medicare Advantage was not similar or the same as Clarity Mattis and Saron Cade and Rick Geisenberger tried to say, uh, we, we found that it was actually uh, unbelievably more harmful. And uh, we had uh, a, a, some legal advice, uh, pro bono, People reviewed the things, and we found there was 2,030 different pre-authorizations, uh, limitations on pharmaceutical asset, limitations on and doctor, doctor uh, availability, 2,030 in a Medicare Advantage program compared to the Medicfill program. Of course. I mean, it's, it's it, right, and it's stunning, and that's where... Because when you have a Medicare Advantage program and you have a captive audience, uh, such as it was intended in Delaware, all of the uh, retirees, uh, whether they be state or or associated with state employee programs, all of those people would be handled by Highmark, a a true villain in this thing. And they said, we have to have all of them or, or none of them. We can't do this with two options. So uh, the state would say, oh, we're going to give you that. It's going to be a better program, and that's not true. It's not only not true, it's an absolute lie. And, and the problem with that is that uh, not only would there be people 
disserved, who wouldn't get the treatment, who wouldn't get the uh, the CT authorization unless they waited a, a month and a half, you know, while the cancer eats away at them, or they, or they wouldn't get the uh, pharmaceutical, uh, uh, you know, availability that it should, or they wouldn't be able to go to their doctor, or they wouldn't be able to go out of state to another doctor or another resource. Uh, John Hopkins refuses to accept Medicare Advantage, uh, you know, patients. All of these things come into play, but also that's where the profit lies for the Medicare Advantage administrators, which is what they like to call themselves, the private insurers that are taking over the business. They say, oh, we're just administrating programs. No, 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 no. No, don't, don't be fooled by that. They're not. They're, they make their dollars off the fact they get a set rate. So the more people they deny care to, you know, and I say deliberately because I'm, not, I'm very, you know, if they don't like me using that term deliberately, then they can sue me because I'm saying deliberately. The more people they deny care to, deliberately deny care to, the more money they get to put in their pocket because they get that set fee. So, you know, so they, they make money on it. They control the dialogue. And uh, I'll be honest with you. There was a letter of support for Highmark Medicare Advantage Program written by Christiana Care, which in and of itself is a freaking monopoly. Yeah, anytime Christiana Delaware. That's like that's like a dead giveaway. It's like a tell. Somebody's got to tell at a poker table. It's like, oh, oh, the other huge monopolistic healthcare organization in Delaware supports this, and you know it's bad. Exactly. And you know what they're trying to do? Set up a thing like Kaiser Permanente Day which is a health insurer, private health insurer, and a provider of health care needs and a doctor provider of health care needs, which has become, it should be, actually it should be illegal, that kind of thing. But then again, you have to go to the federal level to make these things illegal. But Christiana Care has developed this monopolistic relationship with Highmark, and I believe there, and I don't know whether it's United or Aetna, one of the other health care providers in the state, Christiana Care, announced they would no longer be accepting their doctors or their patients unless they in the Christiana Care network. They'd be considered out of network. So it continues. What continues here is this money grab at the expense of the health needs of people. And it's not just retirees, not just elderly. This goes it goes right down through the through the roots of of benefits for health care benefits for active employees and things like that. I mean it, it's it's a travesty and it's a it's a shame because uh as I said every time I turn on the TV uh, uh and I see one of these ads, oh come Medicare Advantage, we're gonna give you a a free dental cleanings twice a year. And, uh, and, we're, and we're, you, you know, you get most of these things under Medicare anyway, or if not all of them. And, and they say, well, but you can get the silver sneaker program where you can go, go to a pool. Uh, you know, uh, all of this. You is, know, when they're putting together the package, again, this is another tell. You know, when they're trying to sell no. it with a bunch of like ancillary bullshit, right. you're, being, you're being sold, a, 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 you know, a bill of goods here. Yep. Yep. 
So what's the so we have the stay is still in place. I know there was a hearing within the last six to nine months. I guess maybe it was one that was in session, but it was you know it was all of our faves. It was uh, Claire Dematius, Saran Cade, Eisenberg, all all of our all of our big faves. Uh, but somebody else was on that committee from the legislature. I want to say it was Paul Bombach, but I'm not positive. Yeah, that, and so what? The, and so what? 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 What shook out there? And then what are the next steps? What are we? What, what is on upcoming? All right, there's a uh, subcommittee that was formed by law. I, I, uh, when I was still in office, uh, this bill was being proposed. Actually, it, I was still in office, but we were out of session, so it became almost like, will they declare a open session? To consider it, I had a couple of bills. One was to take Medicare Advantage completely off the table as any option. Another one was to uh, uh, establish uh, other things in the budget process which would require a vote specifically for any kind of change to the benefits package. And, and all these things were, were given, and I did announce that I would be fighting against the creation of the RHBA, it, it, what it is, it's, it's a subcommittee in advisory capacity to the SBEC, the State Benefits, State Employee Benefits Committee. Uh, my objections were, number one, it was an advisory capacity. I've watched 16 years of advisory capacities do nothing. Sounds, like a, ta- sounds like a task force. Sounds like a task force. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We, got, right. we had to, we had the cop one. But Frank Cook killed yeah. the killed the other one. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I was really uh, worried about it, and I and I would like to stop it. But once I uh, retired officially, and they start a new session, Brian Townsend got a pass. Brian Townsend is a uniquely positioned person. He's very bright, and he's a corporate lawyer. And Brian Townsend knows how to write, or I don't know if he knows how to, but he does write legislation which is obtuse, obscure, and sometimes obfuscates the actual reality of what we're doing. But they, the committee was created. And you're right. Paul Baumbach has, to me, been an exceptional warrior on trying to correct and stop the, uh, to, to correct the direction that the health care benefits have gone in Delaware and to advise that extent. And I say that because I know Paul for a long time. He's a neighboring district of mine. Uh, he and I uh, know each other personally. And I think a year and a half ago at one time, he, he made a remark, which I know he regrets. It was something about, well, you're not going to be able to, to win this in court and all that. And whatever it was. Once he grasped what was at stake here, he's all in, and he's in a good way. I, I am very, very happy to say, you know, I'm proud to say that he has done his job. So the recommendation from the RH, uh, the uh, advisory yeah, committee, yeah, the advice from the advisory committee to the SEBC has been pretty much, uh, uh, I would say. Uh, if asking them, not asking them, demanding that they make these changes which are benefiting uh, the SEB, there would be a uh, a uh, redo of the SEBC, which would take the governor's appointees out and give, put it in the hands of the House uh, leadership and the Senate leadership, and it would have to be from a pool of retirees, not, in other words, 
Clearly, Mattis would not have a job there anymore as the, as the human resources appointee because I, I, that's, that's not appropriate anyway because that's an executive branch uh, person beholden to that. So now you've already shifted the, uh, I guess you would call it the, uh, the decision-making to, to the executive branch, which is run by our friend uh, John Carney. So it comes down to that. So he has been a good a good asset, and it, the recommendation is is certainly being considered, and I believe there will be legislation considered to try to correct the things. And I think there's a flavor right now running through the General Assembly, and I hope there is, because quite frankly, if you do know politics, and you do know the reality of it, I believe it's a uh, Sixty-five uh, percent of uh, of registered voters uh, at the retirement age come out to the polls, the most dependable block of voters. So, uh, you know, I, I say to all my colleagues in the General Assembly, get on board this ship because there's an election coming up in November, a year from now, and if you want to be uh, uh, someone who gets the support of a group of actually show up at the poll voters, then you bet you better be on the right side of this issue. And that doesn't mean you can be neutral or that you can be silent and hope that the wave carries you. No, be up there, be up front. And that's the, the one question I've asked uh, it, privately of contenders for different statewide offices. Uh, you know, are you willing? Are you willing to support a change where we take Medicare Advantage off of the things? Are you willing to get rid of the Geisenberger? To get rid of Dematius? These are essential moves that have to be made. Rick Geisenberger and I have gone to war about LLCs. We've gone to war about corporate accountability. I'm talking about 10, 12 years ago, Global Witness hosted a thing. We're going, we're going to war about uh, a budget, uh, not budget, uh, tax brackets. He has been the singular most obstructionist person in the administration to all these things. And he does it with his wave of the statistic magic wand. Uh, this yeah, they're all, they're all fake. Let know? me tell you, folks, I don't even know what statistics he's waving around, but I, I can tell you that you. You can massage numbers. I did this for a living for about 25 years. You can make that number. You can make that number in that cell be whatever you want it to be. The fact of the matter is that somebody's somebody's health care or somebody's uh, you know uh, wholeness of life and good life is not calculated. The formulas behind those cells don't have human beings uh, flourishing uh, factored into it. So fuck that. F- fuck those cells. I just want to say that, uh, but I but I also want to say I've asked those same questions to people running from state for statewide, um, and so like Matt, if you if you think this is for you, this is for you, buddy. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be so fucking lukewarm or like kind of resigned to like Matt Meyer because I don't I, I don't get the feeling that on that side of the ledger where you talk about LLCs, you talk about tax brackets, you talk about privatization of stuff up to corporations like the port, like all of the places you mentioned. I don't I I I, I need him uh, to, to 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 change course. Like I, I get that you can't, you know, you're not you got to turn the ship slowly, but you got to start to turn it. 
because this is not working. Giving just giving giving all of our public goods and money away for somebody else to do something, it's not working. And so, yeah, I'm I'm excited to at least see if somebody steps up. I I doubt they will, but at least people in the in the House and Senate races um, can can start as you said can can start chipping away. You know, hopefully this is something Brian Townsend. You know, he has when when sessions out, Brian Townsend has a lot of like goals and plans of stuff that he's going to do. And then when the session's in, I don't hear about any of them. Yeah. Where do they go? Did you did they fall between you know the bed and the wall? Where where, where the fuck are they? Right. So yeah, I mean, I think obviously Brian's a pro. You know, he's he's been in here. He sat where you're sitting. And uh, yeah, he's he's fine. You have he's a good guy, but yeah, I don't want to hear any kind of like, I don't want to hear what you think would be cool to do, and then come February, March, April, May, June, never gets done. So let's let's chop chop, and uh, let's let's make sure that we start this. This is a perfect issue to to stand your ground, make a change, and make sure we're not private. You know, we're not just giving private enterprise. You know. Free will over people's, you know, uh, quality of life and yep. healthcare. It's and, not and right. Brian is in uh, second uh, command in Senate leadership. So, yep. I mean, it's an opportunity. You want to be in leadership, then lead. Yes. You want to be in leadership and follow, then drop out of. That's leadership. what I always say. People you say, "What is the general assembly and uh, do uh, do what's best for the people?" Then do it. If you want to be in the general assembly, just so you can get reelected the next term or the term after that, or or so you could maybe uh, get a job with uh, uh, a pal or, or jobs for Delaware graduates, uh, a six-figure job. Then, then I'll tell you what, get out of the goddamn General Assembly because you offend me. I will never forget uh, in a caucus, you know, these private caucuses. I, I, there's a reason that they're not open to the public, but there's also no reason that you take some vow of silence what goes on in the caucus. But I forget what the question was raised, but I turned to all of my colleagues in there. And in that group of 26, there was six to, to 10 people that I know feel, felt the same way I felt. And I forget exactly what the issue was, but I said, if you're sitting here and you refuse to address this situation, by silence, by by maintaining a silence, or, or I said, then I have to say, I'm the only goddamn Democrat in this room, and they're going to call a Democrat call because I'm the only guy. And if you and if if you don't understand what I'm saying, I'm saying you're embarrassing yourselves, you're embarrassing me, and you should all just walk out of this room and go to some other party. You don't belong here, and. I did it for a very specific reason. One was to challenge them. Two was, and this was where I was surprised the response. I thought that the six to eight people or even some of the other people that opposed what my thoughts were would say, who the F are you, Kwaka? You sitting in your freaking soapbox again? Who the hell are you? I expected that. Nothing. I expected the people that were allies to to say anything, even if to say maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong. I looked around. Not one of them looked me in the eye. They had their eyes cast down like, 
like you, you would if your child was caught doing something wrong. And you were embarrassed by yourself. And I thought, how can I ever win this battle? And I'm talking seriously. Uh, and it was, I, I think it was before the wave of progressives that we got. I think it was more like six years ago. But I, whatever it was, I was upset to the nth degree. And I'm going to tell you one story about how Delaware works and how Dover works. When we were, when we objected, or I objected, but with other people's support, to in the budget, uh, a couple things. There was a few things in the budget. But one of them that stuck in my crawl was they were taking $3.5 million out of a multi-billion dollar budget, which was... Uh, for intended for the program for very needy people. Uh, in fact, they did an interview with uh, a couple from Wilmington. Uh, it was in the news journal uh, when they used to do interviews. And uh, the uh, news they, journal, they shall we like that? And those like people yeah. said, uh, uh, the, the, the one elderly uh, gentleman said, I don't know how we're going to survive. My wife's medication, we can't do that. And still afford to to eat and things like that. And uh, he went on about that for some time. But it became soon became the, uh, the point that, I was, that we were trying to make. I don't say I. I was maybe uh, rounding up the six votes, but we had six votes against the budget, and you needed a simple majority, and that took us below the simple majority, and Republicans were not going to vote for the budget at all. <clears throat> so I... Uh, we we argued in, uh, in the caucus, and we we talked about uh, okay. I said, let me confer with the other six, and we came back and we said, if you'll agree, we won't we won't contest the rest of the budget we have problems with, but if you'll agree to restore the three point five million for the pharmaceutical assistance program, we will vote for the budget. And I said this directed this to Melanie George Smith who was the chair of the Joint Finance Committee, who could put the money back in a budget, who should have put the money back in a budget. As we had a, a long discussion, Pete Schwarzkopf left the room, and uh, we had already talked to Melanie. She said, yeah, okay, we'll put that back in. You'll vote for the budget. We said yes. He went down the hall and gave away, I think, $10 million to the Republicans in ditch uh, relief program, something in the rural area that they they want to put that on their thing, got their votes. Came back and said, F you, we don't need your votes. You know, didn't say F you, but it said I that mean, in his intention, might as well course. said. Right. So uh so we uh we lost that battle. It was voted uh to uh it passed the budget passed because the Republican votes uh, and they didn't restore that program. So now fast forward to our first uh, meeting in January. Uh, I guess a couple of weeks after I had read it, it was another article in the uh, news journal. It was about a uh, murder-suicide in Delaware. Uh, An elderly gentleman killed his wife and then blew his own brains out. And then I realized when I read the names, it was the same couple that said they could not get along with uh, without that assistance program that we had taken out. And I went into the caucus and I said, we are all guilty 
of this murder. You are guilty of this murder. I am guilty of this murder because I didn't do more. And that's the kind of discussion that I think people have to open their eyes and say, yes, we are. Oh, they restored it after that. The next budget. We had a fight for $3 million that people needed so that we can give away $250 million to corporations, so we can give away $10 million to J.P. Morgan, that we can give away... What the hell is wrong with our conscience? I mean, I, I just don't understand how you can... If you're, if you're practicing uh, uh, some religion, how you can go and say a prayer, unless it's a prayer begging for forgiveness for your inhumanity. I, I, I just don't understand how you could do this and not focus on the fact that this is what we do without even thinking or comprehending what you do. They, they kill themselves. And... and I to, to the day I die, I will never be able to stand silently in my own mind, in my own heart, my own thoughts, and say, I, 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 I did enough. I tried. No, you know, and, I, and I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of people, when I announced my retirement, when they do the tributes on the floor, uh, the uh, Republicans just stood up and said, oh, we've always... Look to you. You've been you've been a good steward. You've you've tried to lead, and even my own uh, party was yeah. You've you've led us in a new direction. And I said, and why don't you vote for my goddamn bills? <laughs> why don't you support Cowards. the bills that were good bills? I don't want to hear how how wonderful how much you admire me. Obviously, you don't admire me, or you don't listen to what I had to say. Not yeah. me. It's not about me. I I, I don't want to say my, what I had to say. Yeah, I but mean, the what's fact your is, what, if you're the thing, not listening to what everybody has to say, you might as well not be freaking listening. The thing you're arguing is not about you. You're the one doing it, so it gets sort of pinned like, oh, you're the you're the squeaky wheel or whatever. Um, but like when the brakes squeak, it means you got to fix the brakes so your car doesn't go over a fucking cliff. So the people kind of like pointing out that there's a weird sound that we probably should look after, yeah. you know. And and again, I, I have very 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 little. Um, respect for almost all of the legislators um, because, yeah, they're all phony. Like, of course, they love the pomp and circumstance. They love when somebody retires and they can give a speech about their retirement. They love uh, getting the white roses or whatever they did. Uh, they love all, like, new leadership and all of that. Um, they love all of that stuff. But when it comes to doing the job you're there to do, they're going to do what Pete Schwartzkopf said when he was elected speaker. They're going to carry the corporate water for the executive, if it's Markel, if it's Carney, whoever it is. And so your words, uh, your words at the, in the end when somebody retires or your, your words uh, about, you know, somebody's, you know, long tenure, you know, stick them up your ass. Uh, uh, yeah, and I feel, I, I feel that way in a lot of uh, respects because uh, – to me, I think one of the most uh, damning things that you can do is be a hypocrite or a phony. And you know what? If you, if you don't want to prove uh, yourself by doing things, even if it's the wrong thing, then you're a phony. You're a hypocrite. 
you know, I mean, I, when I weigh the, the, uh, the, the different parties' attitude, national level and local level, but national level, mostly and certainly local level in part, I, I look at the almost the maniacal attitude of the Republicans uh, and, the, and the MAGA movement. And, uh, but then I look at, are we as Democrats somehow resisting this or are we just like flaccid uh, 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 we love well first lit- of all I, I, I'm, I, I, I'm only a Democrat on paper so I can vote in a primary if I have to um, but I think that for generally the progressive or the person who thinks they're liberal sort of in, in Delaware likes to be like a, a witness to the suffering they like to call it out oh look what's happening in schools Look what's happening in healthcare. Look what's they like to witness the the, the human suffering and tell you about it, uh, and then really do nothing for it. So. Exactly. So here, uh, I'll I'll never I'll never uh, forget how little we've done in the sixteen years that I've been there for education in this state. Do you know how I I got recognition before I ran for before I intended to run for office? I uh, had a petition. To uh, to for the for the general assembly to authorize full day kindergarten, paid for by the state. I went out to the Yellsmere parade. I forget which one it was. They have a, a big parade once a year, and I got twelve hundred signatures. I brought them down to Leg Hall, a packet. And at the time, I I learned one trick, you know, get an identity other than just John Kowalko, citizen, you know. Because I worked many, many years with Acorn and all that. And that's another story for another day, but it was a really glorious moment in my life that I was proud to be, a, you know, a member of Acorn when we fought Delmarva and, and all these other things. But anyway, back to, the, back to this moment in time. It was, uh, I presented the petition under an organization I formed for $35, which was called uh, Citizens for Legislative Accountability. I was the uh, executive director, and my, I think my wife was the, uh, whatever, the assistant. And, uh, but uh, I go down to Leg Hall, and I got this pile of petitions. And I, if, first I give it to Melanie George Smith. She said, that's great. We've been fighting for this for a long time. This will be great. And then I took them into, into the budget committee hearing. Uh, I think Nancy Cook was the, uh, was the head of the budget committee. It was in the Senate chambers. And I airs Valerie Woodruff, the Secretary of Education. And she's, hi, John, how you doing? She had a big smile on her face. I handed her this thing. I said, here's 1,200 signatures for full-day kindergarten. And it was during the Miller administration. I mean, I wasn't in the office. I wasn't intending to run for office. And I come out of there, and they took photos of me doing it uh, that I didn't know about, the, uh, the news journal, again, when they did reporting. And it was on the front page. It said, uh, uh, the executive director of the Citizens for Legislative Accountability, John Kawako, is shown handing petition signatures to an obviously pleased Valerie Woodruff because she was smiling at me. Valerie Woodruff was, was lambasted by Governor Miller for like, what are you doing? We, we're not going to do, we don't want to do that right now. But this is the way almost... The media can manipulate the reality, even though there was a reality there, and people were happy, but she certainly wasn't happy and on board with it. But I always felt that maybe you have to learn the tricks that they use 
you know, that the, that the other legislators use to make your way happen. You know, and I, that, that doesn't work. You know, it's, not, it's very difficult to embarrass uh, people down there in the whole legislative world because they can just say, uh, that's not what I meant or that wasn't my intention. Yeah, I find they do. When I, I've, I've started getting in some more arguments with, with people like this on issues like this, people who you think are your allies and you're just trying to get them to get on board for the big win. And uh, one of the things they do is, like, the, the kids call it gaslighting. They'll be like, well, you don't know, like, really what the game is. You don't, you don't understand it. You know, I'm actually doing this thing with this other person. You're not privy to that. And so, how, like, you don't really know. Which is, like, I, I do know. I think you're, first of all, I think you're making all of that up. But even if you're not, I don't really care. It doesn't change the fact of what I'm saying. But they have all kinds of little tricks, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's uh, really intended to intimidate independent thought. You know, my wife has always said to me, uh, when I used to say, uh, let me tell you this, or let me, uh, or you don't understand, she said, no, 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 never presume that they don't understand, or that you should be accusing them of not understanding. Say it a different way, because you can't do that. You know, so these are the type of things that led me into politics. I mean, I was, I was a union official for a long time, and you know, politics was not something I was in. It was a actually happenstance because the candidate we had in the 25th district was doing her doctorate, and she bailed out at the last minute, so I ran, and that was the year I lost. And then the next year, I won. It was the, the petitioned uh, signatures for full decay, my Delmarva testimony against uh, Delmarva's rate increases and when uh, Bob Valahora Said, had us removed from the chamber, had me and Alan Muller removed from the chamber and said, they're disrupting things. And the, and the Capitol Police said, who's disrupting what? He said, Those two over there. We were sitting there wearing gags over our mouths. And I, I might want to point out here that it was it was a progressive Dems flag which had an American flag on it. So I was really being patriotic. <laughs> and uh, Alan Muller held up a sign saying, the public being gagged. Because we were refused the opportunity to testify, that was an acorn uh, move too. So they tossed us out of there. It was front page uh, picture, and all, and all these things can build a fundamental foundation if you intend to pursue this path of uh, uh, perceived in your mind righteousness. You know what I mean? I hate to say righteousness just as a term because we just had a conversation about right, you're not right. Yeah, we just had a conversation about like self righteousness and different ways you try to use it, whether you should or not. But um, let's do this. Okay. Here's what I want to do. I want to do our own caucus, as I said. We're going to do the bunker caucus. Okay. Everybody's sworn to secrecy. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Except for the patrons who are going to get to hear what we say. If you want to get into the bunker caucus, two dollars a month. You'll be able to hear all of the good stuff because I have a long list of things. We're going to go rapid fire, and we're probably going to get ourselves in a little bit of trouble, but who gives a shit? Um, we'll see you on the other side, folks. Uh, Philistine Hura, left his best.